0: This is the Mulligans Podcast show number six. I'm your host, Hayden Wright, along with my co-host here, Austin Cole. Austin, how's it going in Ohio, buddy? It is going great. Ready to get back to Oklahoma. Yeah, I bet you are. The great state of Ohio versus the great state of Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. Sure, both are very exciting. Uh, We have Todd Dexheimer here. He's done, I mean, over 150 rehabs and flips. He currently owns over 550 apartment deals. He started investing when he was 26 as a high school shop teacher and was able to retire just two years later. He's going to get into a little bit of all that today. Um, Todd was also on some of the like the largest real estate and business podcasts overall, Joe Fairless, Pockets, and Michael Blanc. So um, really awesome guest. We learned a lot from him and very excited to see what he has to say today. So Austin, anything you want to add before we get started? No, let's get started. Todd again really appreciate you being on the show today. We know your time is valuable. We're going to get right into some of the questions we've prepared for you. Um so starting off in real estate, you started super young, right? You started at the age of 26 back in 2008, right? Um as a as a shop teacher in high school. So Yep. Nope. And then you retired just 2 years later, right? Um so that's super impressive. Way faster than the, you know, the usual 40 40 year work work life. Um so what were some key things that helped you retire so quickly.
1: Well, one of probably the key things was I wasn't making much money, so I didn't have to replace a whole heap of a lot of income. See, the beautiful thing as a teacher is you only make like thirty grand a year, so uh, not too hard to replace, not too crazy. Uh, but no, it in, in all seriousness, it, it, you know, it was just I I knew that um, I wanted a change, and I was determined and dedicated to make it happen. Um, but at the same time though, I was willing to be patient. I knew, uh, we, we had a young family, just, you know, my daughter was, uh, born in 2009. Um, and so, you know, I, I needed to make sure I was taking care of, of, of the home. Right. So it was important for me not to just go and quit my job, but, um, yeah, just a lot of determination and re- really pushing forward and wanting to build something big, wanting to build something that I could see as a as a future, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I really honestly started the business out as a business and not just as a hey, I'm gonna buy some real estate. Um, real estate was the product, but the business and, and running a real operation was always the goal.
0: Right now. So I was listening to the, uh, the bigger podcast, bigger pockets podcast you did recently yeah. or not recently. I guess that was back in 2017 a couple of years ago. Now. Yeah. <laughs> that was a while back. Uh, but I think you said that you're working like 16 to 18 hour days, right. For, for, for real estate or and what, what did, what did well, those days look like?
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't, you know, it was my teaching job plus real estate. Right. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, I would go to my, you know, nine to five, I'd, <laughs> Get up at whatever six, or not get up, but get to work. Leave for work at I think it was like six thirty or seven o'clock, and and uh, the the second the school day was over, the absolute first second I could get out of the classroom, I would drive to my properties, or I would drive to meet with a real estate agent to look at properties. I'd meet with contractors, you know, whatever it whatever was going on at that time or I physically would be working on the properties to myself. Um, and so, yeah, it was just a, a lot of grinding right away. Um, and I loved it quite frankly. I mean, I, I was really? just having a blast. Uh, even though I was working crazy amount of hours, I remember at times getting home at, you know, one, two o'clock or so. And then my daughter would wake up, you know, and then, feed her and change her and then finally go to bed. And it was like a couple hours later, I'm awake, going to work
0: the next day. So, wow. you know, that's just how it is though. And that was like that for two years.
1: <sighs> yeah, probably. I mean, you know, some, some weeks were more intense than others. And sometimes I actually did really get some sleep. Um, But yeah, for the most part, you know, whether it was working on our own house that we bought as a foreclosure, we needed to renovate, uh, whether it was working on, you know, a flip or a rental property or, like I said, finding properties, whatever it was. Yeah, for the most part, it was a grind. Yeah.
2: So what was your aha moment where you realized like the power of real estate and that you could actually retire with your business. Oh
1: man, what was the aha moment? I think it really honestly it came honestly before I started actually doing the real estate. It was through reading books and then like putting the analysis together and going, "Wow, like you mean it's not going to take that many properties?" to replace my income. If I got this many properties, if I did this, like I could actually replace my income. So it was before I started doing stuff uh, just through kind of research and realization of, wow, this is possible. This is actually truly something I could create and, you know, build a business around.
2: Right.
1: Right.
0: So now, you you invest across several different markets You're in yeah. i think you have a, a properties across five different states now is that something nope. that you would recommend people starting out do or is that something nope. that you have to you start you start in your home base right
1: you know i i think it, yes certainly if you can right and and i i would say for the majority of the country you are able to invest in your home base there's there's some areas you know if you're living parts of California, Mm -hmm. you live in New York city. Um, You know, so there's, there's a few exceptions to the rule, but I'd say for the most part, most people investing in your backyard makes way more sense. uh, Especially when you first start. And even after you get some experience, it still likely makes the most amount of sense. So before you start to really explore other markets, truly, truly cross your own market off the list by doing your due diligence, by working hard at trying to get properties and exhausting that avenue. Because uh, right. investing right. out of state, it just, it just, not that it's super hard, but it takes more. And especially if you're working a nine to five.
0: Okay. And now what level were you confident um, in investing out of state? And, and, you know, what helped you ease into that?
1: Yeah, uh, what level was I confident? It was after I had done several deals
0: out of state. Like So it wasn't just the one. Wasn't the one.
1: No, I mean I was still it took it took a while to gain that confidence, but I started exploring that avenue and, and and really looking into it. But but I had I had already purchased and, you know, and done 150 flips. I I bought um and owned a bunch of rental properties had you know, like a hundred rental units. Um, you know, so it's not like I, I just began. Right. That was when I bought my first, you know, out of state property as a rental, that was 2016 and I started in oh, wow. 2008, you know? So, so it was a while. It, it wasn't overnight. Um, and, and and even when I started buying, I was still not confident. Like, is this the right decision? Should I be doing this? Um, and it took until I started getting success to say, okay, this you know this this is working.
0: Right, right. So, now, Austin, I'm sorry. Were you about to say something?
2: Yeah. So, I was going to piggyback off of like the confidence thing. Obviously, you started off young. Was that a big thing that you really needed as a young investor to you know? be able to work with those real estate investors or real estate agents. Brokers. Yeah. To get
0: people to take you seriously. Right. Cause I mean, you look pretty young now. I mean, you, you probably looked even younger back then. So uh, it was a
1: baby face. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, when I was a teacher, um, people would ask for my hall pass. And I'm like, You know, like I teach, uh you know, I'm, I'm teaching, you know, 11th and 12th graders. I'm, I'm I don't need a hall pass. That's um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, But honestly, yes, that's a concern. I think it's, it's slightly validated concern. You know, people tend to discriminate based on your age, but only to an extent. Right. And so I think we, we have these, you know, kind of beliefs, limiting beliefs that people are really looking at our age and, and really not taking us serious because we're young or, or, you know, whatever inexperienced or whatever it is. I think it's, yes, there are certainly some that do that, but I, I, I don't believe that majority of people do. I actually think if you are young and inexperienced, you need to use that to your advantage because if you're young and experienced, you're hungry and aggressive and you have time and you have energy where if you're, like me, and I'm still fairly young, but I'm 39 years old. So, you know, I, but I've got experience, which is great, but I also have a lack of time. Right. And I still would say I have a pretty high energy level, but it's not where it was when I was, you know, in my twenties, certainly. Um, so, so I think you have to look at what, your specific advantages and play to those strengths Mm. if if you're a young investor.
0: Right. That's good. Okay. So now, um, starting out, so you've been doing this for for 13 years now, is that right? Yeah. 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 Wow. So good amount of time. So crazy. <laughs> so it feels so, like yesterday, honestly. Yeah, really? It was like,
1: yeah, it just it's crazy. It goes fast. That's the like the old man in me going, oh I remember <laughs> that.
0: So, looking back on the 13 years investing, what was what was, in your opinion, your biggest mistake and like how did you overcome that and what did you learn from it?
1: Yeah, and there's there's been so many different ones, and I can give you a lot of different things. Um you know, I don't know that there's a biggest mistake, but there's several things that I've done that I've really learned from. One of the things um, that's kind of my go-to is um, didn't use attorneys. I, mm-hmm. I didn't want to spend the money because they're expensive. And why? Why would I need one? Right? I trust people, and they trust me. So why would I need attorneys? And I, what happened is when I was flipping, I pre sold a house prior to us actually doing the construction to it. And these people that bought it seemed like a nice young couple, but they were the Sue happy type people. They didn't, anyway. So, so long story short, it just didn't work out very well. Um, we got into a battle and because of the lack of attorney work with contracts, um, I ended up losing a big chunk of money because of that is settled, uh, with them, but they, they essentially, they didn't want to pay any of the change orders that they asked for. Um, and so I ended up losing out on a ton of money because They didn't pay for those change orders and they had like $70,000 worth of change orders. Um, So I lost a big chunk of money, you know, spent some money, on attorney fees. Uh, So it it was a hassle. And again, like I just trust people Um, and I still trust people, but now I use attorneys and I feel like that's a better setup because yes, we can still trust each other, but let's have a contract. And we both follow the contract. And if either of us are confused by what we agreed upon, it's right there in writing the attorney drafted it up. We have somebody we can lean on for, Hey, clear a little clarification. Um, So, and we're doing it the right way. Right. So don't, don't skimp on attorneys. I, I think that's, that's really huge.
0: So start now, would you start using attorneys like right away, as soon as you, you know, you get the LLC made, you, you start looking for deals, you, is that one of the first steps you think? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, I think, you know, kind of depends on exactly what you're trying to do, but yeah, if, if you're, if you're in doubt, should I be using an attorney at least have an attorney where you go, Hey, this is what I'm doing. What do you think now? If you got a good attorney that is trustworthy, they're going to tell you, ah, look, you don't need to spend that money right now. Uh, if you have got a slimy attorney, of course they're going to say, "Yeah, spend the money." You know, I want to charge you. But right. uh, I think if you find the right attorneys, they're going to they're 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 consultants, and they don't want to overcharge you just to charge you because they want to stick around. If they see you as a value, they don't want to charge you just to charge you. So right. I th- I think you know finding a good attorney, somebody that you can trust, is is really critical. And you, yeah you want to engage with them right away gotcha
0: okay now, my next question was was kind of similar to the last one um, about your biggest mistake and what you learned from it but uh, so you you can you can go ahead and tie in the the attorney answer if that's what you want to do but um what do you wish that you knew thirteen years ago um, that you know today like what would have made the difference?
1: yeah, I think uh there's several things first of all i I wish I would have I wish I would have gotten more educated. Uh, Before jumping in? Yeah, I I I wish I would have gotten more educated, not necessarily before jumping in, but I think I got my own. I got like, I, I learned a few things and I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's go, which is great. But I didn't continue that journey. And I didn't continue to educate myself. I just dove in and said, let's do this. And I stuck with it. So I would say that's one thing. Um, Education, education, education. Continue to learn. Always be a student. Right. Um, You know, uh, always grow and become uncomfortable. I wish I wouldn't have. I shouldn't say a wish. Like, just just being uncomfortable, right. Mm -hmm. Getting uncomfortable all the time and making sure you're pushing your boundaries. So there was a time there where I got stuck. I got fat and happy um, with flipping and I should have moved on. That's not really where I wanted to stay, Uh, but I got comfortable. It it was easy. I was making good money and, but that wasn't where I needed to grow and wanted to grow. Um, So always just be pushing your boundaries. I think that that's another really big thing. There's, there's, lots of other little, you know, things that, Hey, could I do, could I have done differently? Certainly. But, um, you know, go, go, go big too. Don't again, that's pushing those boundaries, right? Don't you, it's okay to start small, um, but continue to push the limits, get uncomfortable so you can grow your company and you can grow bigger.
2: So part of growing bigger is obviously scaling up your company. What was the uh, most important thing you learned in scaling your business or, uh, or somebody that's looking to scale their business? What would you give them as a piece of
0: advice?
1: Hiring people. Don't be scared to hire people.
0: At what point did you start hiring people? Like, How many, how many deals did you do? How many years down the line was it? When did you realize that uh, like that, was, that was the next step?
1: Um, there was many kind of little steps along the way. So I started hiring people to work on the properties. Um, I was doing pretty much everything myself, slowly started hiring more and more people. Uh, by 2009, I was hiring quite a few people by 2010. I was not doing any physical work on the properties. Um, you know, shortly thereafter I was, I was delivering material shortly thereafter. You know, I, I, i learned that becoming being the delivery guy wasn't really where <laughs> my time should be spent so right. materials will get delivered uh you know diff- different things so just kind of along that journey but started hiring people in 2009 I hired my first assistant maybe that was 2011-ish a couple of years in um and continue just to try to hire the right people. And I'm going through another period right now where I'm just looking at, okay, who do we hire? Who do we bring on the team? Uh, Who do we grow? There's a great book called uh, who, not how. Mm. um, And that really helps you navigate when, how you should hire, when you should hire, why you should hire. Um, We always think and this is, this is myself included. We always think that hiring somebody is going to cost us money. It's not, it's an investment. It's not an expense. If you're hiring people, you can't think of it as expense. You have to think of it as, as an investment. You have to think of it as a growth opportunity and it's going to, it's going to make you more money in the end. Right. It's ultimately going to grow your business and make you more money. So hire, hire before you think you're ready. Okay. That's good.
0: So now Austin and I going back to what you said a little bit earlier um you know taking a big you know starting big right Austin and I have not done a, a real estate deal yet and we're open about that we we don't want to you know come off as gurus or whatever right we want, we don't want that perception um so we're transparent about that but yeah. now that being said we're we're learning like crazy every, every time I get in the car, it's a podcast. Every time I get, you know, I wake up in the morning, it's reading, it's, it's actively learning every day to, to do that first deal. Um, That being said, do you think that it's ignorant or stupid to do maybe a multifamily deal right off the bat and start single family or what are are your thoughts on that?
1: No, I mean, there's, there's tons of ways to skin the cat and you got to look at what, what works for you. One of the the things I I think is super important is you got to do, you've got to take action. So if by you saying, Hey, we are going, we are so determined to do a you know, hundred unit multifamily, but by saying that and thinking that that scares the living daylights out of you and it, uh, it stops you from taking action. It, it paralyzes you. There's no use. There's no sense of doing it. Right. And go and do the twenty unit or do the mm-hmm. duplex. <laughs> you have to get a deal done. you have to take action um, so if you're not taking steps, then yeah change change your change your goal or change your you know this is what I'm gonna do first. got to get that deal done. but the other thing is be patient, right If you're taking the steps that right there, in my opinion, is enough. Mm-hmm. You could, because you're going to get the deal done. If you're taking the steps and you're serious, right? If you're just taking the steps and you're like, I'm so scared I'm not going to ever do a deal. I'm just going to take the steps because Todd told me so. Um, well, that's, that's no good. But if you're truly taking the steps and you're putting in the time, you're putting in the energy and you will do the deal when it happens, that is, that is perfect. So go out there and write the LOIs, talk to the brokers, underwrite the deals, have meetings with, it, with prospective investors. Um, those are the steps you're taking action. That's the important part. I do coaching. Mm-hmm. And the success that I see from my clients, when I see a client that has a lot of success, versus I see a client that doesn't have success. The difference is the steps they're making along the way, taking along the way. The one that has success is calling the brokers weekly. They are writing LOIs, they are underwriting deals. They are talking with investors. They're, they're meeting other people in the industry. They're doing all the things on a daily basis that they should be. And the other ones are talking about it. They're thinking about it. They're wanting to do it eventually when they're not so nervous about it. And they don't tell you they're nervous, but when they're not so nervous about it, when they're, when they're finally ready, that's when they're going to take action. And guess what? They don't take action. You, if you're not, if you're ready, do it. If you think you're not ready, well, you're never going to be ready.
0: Yeah, that's good. So Todd, I think we've gone over time a little bit and I apologize for that, but we just have a couple more questions if that's all right. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Awesome. So God forbid you lost everything today, right? What would you do to work on getting it back? How would you start off? Because, you know, I I hear often that you can take the millions from a millionaire, but you can't take like the mindset, right? And that's, that's the key to it all. So what would you do to, to restart?
1: Well, if I lost everything today, it's because the market had some crazy thing happen to us. <laughs> and so with that being said, there's would be amazing amount of opportunity everywhere. Mm. And so I would look at the market and I would figure out where that amazing amount of opportunity is and I would take the steps, take the action to start getting deals done. Uh I would I would meet with the right connections, brokers, um, you know, potential partners, whatever it might be. And I would start writing offers immediately and and getting deals under contract. Uh, And of course, if I lost everything, my investor relationships, a lot of them would be uh, hurt. And so very first step would be repairing those investor relationships, talking through exactly what happened and why it happened. And, and what we did to solve the problems uh, because I know it wouldn't be if I lost everything, it wouldn't be because of uh, my lack of, um, you know, you know, it it wouldn't, it wouldn't be because I did something wrong or illegal or, you know, something like that. So it would be just, Hey, like, this is what happened. This is what we do. So I'd be have to repair those relationships, make sure that everybody's comfortable and, and push forward with deals. And I, I don't, I I think it would happen pretty quickly.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Sweet. And so um, when you started off, I'm going to kind of go way back to the beginning. Did you you have a mentor or did you at least have a mentor? Not when you started off, but like once you got a little bit in, started doing the flips?
1: Yeah. Um, I had a business partner with the flips. I had people that I would call mentors. I never paid anybody uh, in my flipping days, but I had uh, a real estate agent, uh, Scott Fisick. He was an amazing help. Uh, I had a couple other you know agents and um, other people that were uh, big helps. When I transitioned then into multifamily, I hired a mindset and business coach. Um, because really, it wasn't that I had a lack of knowledge, it was I had limited beliefs, and I needed to have a paradigm shift. And so I knew that I was in my own way to getting to that next level. So I'd find somebody that could reprogram my brain to get to the next level to push to my maximum you know, capacity here. And so that's, that's what I did is I hired a mentor to do that and, and, you know, paid that person and, and it was, it was great. It was very helpful.
0: Awesome. Okay. So final question here, um, you know, what, where can people learn more about you? Yeah.
1: Um, well, thanks. Thanks for that. There's, there's several places I would by the way, I would encourage people to reach out to me. You guys hear people on podcasts and like I can't I come onto podcasts because I enjoy genuinely enjoy meeting people. Um and so I want to talk to people like you, but I also would love to talk to your audience. So reach out to me, connect with me. Uh there's several ways. So they can anybody can go onto my website. It's VenturedProperties.com. dot com. dot com. And I've got a free ebook there. People can uh, grab talks about multifamily talks about syndication. Um, so they, they can go in there and grab, there's a ton of information on the website, blogs, all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, I'm doing assisted living right now. So I got blogs on that. Uh, my podcast is connected there. I've got a podcast called pillars of wealth creation. Um, we've got about 400 episodes out. Um, so, so you can get to my podcast through that websites. Um, and then my coaching, you can get to my coaching too. If anybody's interested in that, just kind of learning more about it. I don't put any pressure on people. Quite frankly, if I have to put pressure on you, that means I probably don't want you uh, as a client. So, uh, so and really anywhere, anywhere, you know, if, if you want to look at it, what does investing with my company look like they can go there. Um, my email also is just Todd at com, And then the last place is, you know, LinkedIn is a great way to connect with me. Um, you can connect with me on Facebook too. I'm probably the only Todd Dexheimer uh, on LinkedIn <laughs>
0: and Facebook. There's not Pretty unique lists. last name. Yes. Yeah. Well, Todd, I, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you being on the show. I've followed your stuff for a while and I got to admit, I was so super nervous to reach out and have this out. <laughs> I <laughs> Yeah, I was so shocked to see that you you were actually okay to meet and um, you know, been nervous ever since. But um you're super easy to talk to. I I've learned a lot just from uh talking to you now in the thirty minutes. Um uh, but really, really enjoy your stuff that you produce and really appreciate that all as well. So thank you so much for being on.
1: Yeah, can I can I say one last thing?
0: Yeah, go ahead. absolutely. Of course. Uh
1: and, and that's really cool that you know, even though you're like, Hey, do I want to reach out to this guy? You know, I do, but what's, you know, that's the thing is those are the successful people. See that that's the, that's a big ingredient to success is you were a little uncomfortable. You're a little nervous. You're a little like, I don't know what I want to do, but you reached out to me anyway. And it allowed for a connection to happen. You know, now when we meet each other at a conference or, or whatever, we're going to, we're going to know each other already. Right. Uh, hopefully you've learned something. Um, and hopefully this has add value to you and your audience. Uh, and so it, it was, a went all around, but the, again, that, that's a success ingredient just to be willing to reach out to people. And the cool thing with this industry is it's such a giving industry. There's so many people that want to watch other people succeed and so I feel like there's just so much giving in this mm-hmm. industry and, and just not that much taking, you know, pe- people are willing to to help each other out. And so that's really cool. So, so reach out. And that's why I said, like, look at your audience, like reach out to me, just let's have a conversation.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I, I can tell you for a fact, this one guy, uh, our close friend, Reed Zarni, he's definitely going to be reaching out to you. Uh, uh, so look for his message, but all
1: right. Uh, bring it on, Reed.
0: <laughs> uh, he'll be stoked to hear that you said that in the the podcast. But uh <laughs> uh Todd, thanks again. I mean, super down to earth. I mean, really appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, definitely a gentleman. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks,
0: Todd. Thank you, Todd. So that was our show today with Todd Dexheimer. Todd, I mean, he's a super generous guy, very down to earth. Um, and I can't believe he was willing to give us thirty minutes of his time uh, to just chat and answer any questions we had. I mean, also it's worth noting that this was like 1030 his time. So he was definitely missing family time, tucking his kids in. So definitely appreciate that sacrifice. I mean, he even mentioned in the, in the podcast today, how important it was to pay it forward and that the whole real estate industry is a lot more giving and a lot less taking. So um, he very well easily could have told me to kick rocks when I asked him to be on the show, but he was kind enough to, to give us his time. So we really appreciate that Todd, but um, really enjoyed learning his story. I thought it was very inspiring that he could go from shop teacher to, you know, successful real estate investor. So I think that that gives nobody that doesn't give anybody an excuse anymore to, uh, to not invest in real estate. Right. Cause nothing, teachers aren't getting paid a whole lot. So it's not the most glorious of jobs and he still made it work. Yeah, no, definitely. It was awesome listening to him. Uh, and we look forward to
2: uh, listening to him in the future. I'm definitely going to be listening to this podcast a couple of times and get
0: back more things that I missed uh, when we were talking to him live. Uh, yeah, also, I mean, he, he definitely had a, a bunch of good nuggets in there to, to listen to and pull back that we might've missed because we were in the moment, you know, super engaged in the conversation, right? So, oh yeah, for sure. Point. And
2: definitely we're going to get to talk to him more on October 7th and 8th at his real estate meetup uh, where you can learn more about at www.northstarunlimited.live and also make sure to go check out his website, It's called venturedproperties.com. So venturedproperties.com. And you can learn more about him and what his company does. Also, while you're at it, make
0: sure you check us out on Instagram at mulligans underscore underscore. That's right. That's right. Get our follows up. Uh, Please subscribe, like our show just so we can uh, get the ratings we need to to really blow up and reach a larger audience. Because I think that Um, A lot of people will be able to benefit from the the content that we're creating from our super awesome guests. So appreciate everybody listening. Uh, Hope to see you all at Todd's conference in October Um, until next time. I'm Hayden Wright and I'm Austin Cole signing off.